the guy that nobody wants to sit next to at the coffee shop. Welcome. We are glad that you are here. Uh, we are, like Mike said, in the middle of a series called Elephants, and, and the, whole, the whole idea is this, that the elephants are already hard enough to talk about. Um, why not have a little humor to help, help us on our way, you know what I'm saying? Um, but the reality of those videos is this. There needs to be conversations for things in life, and especially within spirituality, especially in church world, there needs to be conversations that are had around topics that are here, but nobody wants to talk about. And so this week, I have brought along a pineapple to help. Um, The pineapple, this one right here, cost $1.98. But in the 1700s, did you know, and even before the 1700s, in, the four, in 1463, that Christopher Columbus decided to take a pineapple back to Europe. And when the pineapple got back to Europe, it was so rare and exotic that people began to take them, and you could purchase one for roughly about $8,000 in our equivalent economy. $8,000 for one of these babies, right, that we get for a, for a buck ninety-eight. And also, in, in the 1700s, the, the British figured out that if they, they got what they call hothouses, that, that they could grow some of this stuff that was kind of more rare. And, and then what they did was they decided that they were going to start um, companies where you could rent a pineapple. And so, true, true, it's the history of the pineapple. Um, but you could, you could rent a pineapple, and here's what they would do. They, they would rent it, and, and they would take it to parties. And you would walk with your pineapple. Because the pineapple was considered to be exotic and rare. The pineapple was a luxury item. And so to have a pineapple was to have social status. And so you would rent a pineapple and take it with you. There were also other moments where you would have a dinner party and the centerpiece of your dinner party would be a pineapple. And and people would come and they would sit and they would just gaze upon the pineapple. Because it was so rare. Could you imagine taking someone from the 1700s and bringing them to Walmart, <laughs> where we have mounds of pineapples for $1.98? And, and, and not only that, they're between the mangoes and whatever else. And, and could you imagine their reaction? What happened that the pineapple went from rare and exotic and a luxury item to Everybody's got one. There's nothing, nothing rare and exotic about them anymore. And, and I wonder if the topic we're about to dive into today isn't the same. We're going to talk about sexuality. And in, in studying for this, we're going, to, we're going to cover, like, I text Ron this week, and I'm like, Ron, there's no way that I can cover everything that I feel like we should cover in 30 minutes. It just can't happen. And so just so you know, we are going to extend elephants a week longer. And that last week, we're going to come back around the topic of sexuality. But this week, we are going to face square up with this elephant that sits in the room that no one wants to talk about. And I wonder if, a lot like the pineapple... While it's an elephant in the room here, the, the value, the rareness, 
the exoticness that, that, that sexuality was supposed to be. I wonder if we haven't lost some of that because it's become so common and so overexposed in our culture. And so in beginning out on this whole journey and, and as we step out and, and what happened last service, by the way, everybody laughed at the pineapple and I got and told them the topic of sexuality and it just went... <laughs> the room was just... Stay with me. Stay with me. Because I believe God's got something to help us in this whole, this whole journey. Because I, I will tell you this, that whether as a youth pastor, as a teaching pastor... Um, as a friend to people, sexuality is killing the church. The misuse of sexuality. And so to have a conversation, church, we have to. We have to. Everybody else's. Everybody else's. And so we have to. So in Genesis, it picks up this way. That is why, so, so at this point, God's created man and woman, and he's put them in a garden, and, and then the man wakes up, and that's where he has that whole woman moment where he goes, whoa, man, you know, that whole thing. So this is why a man leaves his father and mother. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united. United, a better word for united is joined. A better word than joined is a translation that would say welded inseparably. Okay, so, so this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is welded inseparably to his what? His wife. And they became, they become one flesh. And they become one flesh. Okay, just, just real quick. If, if you have a, have a phone and, and if you have a, an iPhone, you should. And if you don't have one, you should. Like, like it's just a standard of life that you should have an iPhone, but... But if you, if you ask Apple, right, when you get your iPhone and Apple tell you don't submerge it in water, right, it, it, it's, we don't go back to Apple and go, why are you killing all my fun? Right? Or, or if Apple were to tell you don't take a hammer and use it for your home button on your phone, you wouldn't get mad at them for saying don't use a hammer on your, on your phone, why? Because at some point we understand that Apple is the designer of the product. And as the designer of the product, as the maker of the product, the designer probably understands how it works and we probably should listen to them. So when they say, charge your phone this way and don't do this with it, we, we trust them and when we go, yeah, because you created the product. You created it. You are the maker. You are the designer. You probably know how it works better than I do. And so in this context, we go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, the second chapter of the Bible, and what we get is the maker going, hey, humans, guess what? I created you to be sexual beings. Okay, now let's, we need a working definition of, of sexuality to understand where we're going today, okay? So when we talk about sexuality, here's what we mean. The capacity to have sexual feelings. Okay? Sexuality the capacity to have sexual feelings. Welcome to the conversation. Every single one of you were created with the capacity to have sexual feelings. This conversation isn't about them, or it's not about them, or it's not about them. This conversation is about us, church. This conversation is about a group of people that God took and he created and he packed within them 
the, the ability to have the capacity of, to, to, to sexually have feelings. He, he so packed you with sexual potential, but then something happens. He, he then goes on and goes, by the way, the best context for that to take place, the best context to live that out is inside of this thing where it's a man and woman who are welded inseparably, and we call this what? Marriage. What he's saying is the, the, the capsule, if you like, the only capsule on the planet that can handle, that can handle the, the sexual expression that you were created to have is inside of this thing called marriage. And for some of you already, you're like, I don't know. I don't know. That's okay. That's okay. Because all I've done is taken a verse from what is the manual of the best way to be human. See, church, something's wrong. Something's wrong in this whole area. Because according to God, according to God, sex is so much more than just a physical expression. Here's what I mean. Corinthians picks up this way, right? So if that's the first book, go way down into three quarters from the end. And Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is what? One with her in what? Body. For it is said the two will become what? One. Church, what God is saying is your, your capacity for sexual feelings, right? And when you act on those with another human being, that your body, your soul is welded, is connected. It's about so much more than just a physical action. It's about internally in your soul something taking place. And I got to tell you, right, if, if the world has this so right, then why is the U.S. Center for Disease and Prevention releasing statistics like one in four teenage girls have an STD? Hold up one sec. One in four. One in four. If we're handling this thing of, of sexuality so well in our culture and we're doing such a good job of it, then why are one in four, why in one in four have STDs? Why is it that 10,000 kids a day in the United States contract a new STD? 10,000 kids a day. If we're, if we're expressing our sexuality in a way that is okay, then why is this true? Why is it our very own bodies are going, it's not working? Something's wrong. And that's not even the church saying that, by the way. That's the U.S. Center for Disease and Prevention. That's them saying it. In the last 40 years, they've gone from treating two STDs to over 25. Something is wrong in the area of sexuality. And we have to reclaim the ground that begins with, that begins with, you are a sexual being. And God had a plan for that sexuality. 
And that plan, whether we like it or not, is best contained inside of this thing called a marriage. Now, I want to take you to a story to express kind of where this all goes and how it plays out. So if you have a Bible, turn to Joshua. And some of you right now who know your Bible are going, Joshua? I read Joshua. Joshua doesn't have anything to say about sexuality. Well, maybe. We'll see. Because here's the thing. We've got to take back ground, church. We've got to take back ground. We've got to take back ground. And so in Joshua, there's a, it begins like this in chapter 6. Sorry, did I tell you 6? Joshua 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Okay, what you need to know, Jericho was a city. The Israelites had crossed the Jordan. They were, they were about to possess the land that God had given them. They hadn't fought any battles yet. This was their first battle, was the city of Jericho. They are walking into this ground going, God has given us a promise of land, of a better life, Okay, what I want you to get is this, that God has given you a promise in the area of sexuality. That when you take your sexuality and you take all of the potential that God's put inside of you and you unite it in a sense, you weld it inseparably in a sense with another human being inside of his design, you need to understand that that is something that he has put in front of all of us, every person who is human, doesn't matter if you're in church, out of church, what he said as a designer, that is the best way to be human and sexually express yourself. So that's in front of you, right? In Jericho, what was in front of them was a land that God had said he'd given them, but there was a problem. The enemy had built walls. The enemy had put a barrier between them and taking some of the land. Did you know that the enemy will always put a barrier between you and what God's promised? Remember we started this whole series out and we're talking about we got to let God define and frame up the answers to the questions. We have to let God define and frame up the answers for the questions about sexuality. See, because here's what I know. The enemy will always put a barrier. For me, it was a, I, was, I was 13 years old. And it was my best friend. And my best friend goes, hey, John, check out this. And it was pictures. Do you know some of those pictures are still in my head to this day? What was the enemy doing? John, I know the potential that you have. I know what's in front. John, I know that God's got a plan. I know that God's got this beautiful purpose. I know that he's packed you full of sexual potential. I know that he's packed you ready for what he's got ahead. But here's the problem. I'm not going to let you get there. I'm going to put up a barrier. And it looks like pictures as a 13-year-old. That then at 15 became videos that I stumbled across. That then at 17 became a girl that, that I thought, like, I was going to protect and marry that one. You see how it works? The enemy starts to go, there's barriers. There's barriers. There's barriers. Why? What is he trying to get me to do? Not make it to what? What What God has, what God's best is, the enemy doesn't want you to have. You need to understand today that in the area of your sexuality, the enemy is putting up barriers to stop you getting to what he knows God has for you. Y'all okay? All right. 
It gets more better yet. You just hang on. The enemy will always put up barriers. Next verse. Then the Lord said to Joshua, then the Lord, the Lord, right? Because he's having a conversation. You can read about that at the end of chapter five, but he's having a conversation. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king. Hold up. What did Joshua see at this moment? Walls. Did you know that they weren't equipped for the battle that was in front of them? They never fought against the city. They didn't know how this went down. He was a military man. He's probably got his plans, but, but all he sees is what? Walls. What does the Lord say? See, I have delivered. See, I have delivered. What do you need to hear about the barriers that, that the enemy is trying to put up in the area of your sexuality because he wants to keep you away from what God has? You need to hear from the Lord today. See, I have given you the victory. I have given you victory over what the enemy's put in front of you. I've given you victory in the area of your sexuality. I've given you victory. You got to walk in it. You got to take it. And some of you, some of you are here today and you're going, man, all I see is barriers. All I see is failure. All I see is doubt. Church, get up on your feet and walk into what God has for you. Because he's telling you, you don't have to, when the, when the enemy tells you, right, because this is one of its barriers, sex is just sex. Sex is not just sex, according to God. Sex is about the welding inseparably of souls. It's not just sex. The way you express yourself, the way you express yourself, when it comes to your capacity for sexuality, the way you express yourself either claims victory or it doesn't. And in this case, Joshua's standing and there's walls and, and it looks like the enemy has got them, right? The enemy's peering over the top and they're laughing because the Israelites, they don't know how to get in. And, and so the enemy's there and notice what it says next. The, the, the Lord tells Joshua, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Next verse. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Next verse. When you hear them sound a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Okay, I'm not a military guy, but that is not a good military strategy. Okay. God's, the enemies put up barriers. God's given a promise, right? And then God gives a plan. But here's the problem. The plan doesn't make sense. The plan is get the army out in front, get the priests. The priests are going to have horns, right? Which, which again, if you're just going to walk around the city, blowing horns attracts what? Attention. Probably not the smartest plan, right? So, so, he gets the priest together and he goes, hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to walk around the city, but the armed guard will be in front. Then the ark will be behind you. And then the, the rest of the army here. And you're just going to walk around the city. And you're going to do that day one. And you're going to do that day two. And you're going to do that day three. All the way through, when you get to the seventh day, we're going to lap this thing seven times. And then the walls are going to come down. That is not a good plan. There's nothing about that plan that makes sense. 
Even more so, I want you to get the image that that Jericho is believed to only be 0.3 of a mile, right? So take a track, a running track, and go a little bit bigger, right? 0.3 of a mile in circumference. That's not very big. That means that when the army starts on this side and they go around the city, by the time they get probably to the other side and go back in, right, the other part's still going where? Which means their back is to who? To the city. This is not a good plan. God says, I have given you victory. This is the way you need to walk. I have given you victory. This is the way you need to walk. And see, there's, there's, there's similarities here between the plan that didn't make sense there and the plan that God's given you for, for your sexuality. Look over in, it's in 1 Corinthians. Flee. Now, any Bible scholars? No? Good. You're in good company because neither am I. But I know flee means what? Run, right? We don't need to know Greek to know that we got to run. By the way, fugo is the, is the Greek word, um, just in case some of you are wondering, but that's what it is. Flee, run. What do you do when you run? If I run from you guys right here, I like you, but I'm going to run from you, right? If I run from them, what am I putting between me and them? Distance. The first thing that you need to understand about your sexuality, if you are going to claim the promise, is that you have to put distance between something. And here's what I mean. Flee from sexual immorality. Okay, just a working definition for us, right? Sexual immorality in in this context, right, is everything that is the opposite in the area of sexuality, everything, the expression of your sexual feelings, everything that is the opposite from God's design. Okay, so when we, see, when we see sexual immorality, anything that is outside of the design of what God has for you, what are you supposed to do? Put some distance. You are supposed to run. The first, first part of this is get away from anything that's outside of God's design for you in the area of your sexual expression or for your capacity of feelings. But you're to get away from it. And I don't mean to be crude. I'm going to tread as carefully as I can, but I need to be extremely clear. Anything with sex in it is an expression of your sexuality. You are expressing those feelings. So solo sex is an expression of your sexuality. Oral sex is an expression of your sexuality. Sexual immorality is an expression of your sexuality outside of God's design. And he says, flee. Put some distance, church. Put some distance. Get on your Nikes and go. My translation. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body. All the others are outside. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own what? body. Sex is not just sex. You know how I know the Bible couldn't be more clear that when you engage outside of God's design, when you don't flee and you stay, when you express yourself sexually outside of what God says is the best way, what I know is this, that it does something to the inside of you. It does something to the inside. 
It affects your soul because you weren't designed as this and that and they're separate. The physical and the spiritual and your soul are all connected. And we, 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 got, we got to get it. It says run. Why? Because it affects you on the inside. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? By the way, I got good news for you. I got good news for you. The Holy Spirit is where? In you. You're not supposed to do this by yourself. When it comes to fleeing, guess who helps you run with spirit speed? Remember spirit speed from Elijah? Right? How do you run with spirit speed? Right? You got the Holy Spirit. It's the same spirit that made Elijah outrun a chariot. You have no excuse for not getting away because the very spirit of God, the presence is in you. The very presence of God is in you to help you take what is yours. You know what's crazy about the Jericho story? As they're walking, what were they blowing? Trumpets. You know what those trumpets were? They were Jubilee trumpets. You know what Jubilee trumpets were? When you heard that sound, it was a declaration. The very presence of the Lord was here. They were walking around the city going, God is here. God is here. Here, God is here. When you walk, when you run, when you flee, when you get away, whatever that looks like, you need to know that the very Spirit of God is where? In you. He's in you. You can clap. That's okay. Let it out. You, you are not your own. That's the crux of the battle. You're not your own. Your sexuality isn't your sexuality. It's God's. You know why? You were brought at a price. The very blood of Jesus spilled out for you. He bought back redemption as he bought back your sexuality. He bought back so that the promise can be true about you. Therefore, and here's the plan. Ready? Here's the plan. Therefore, every hang on, we need to be clear because we're great at church at going, just talking about you. I'm talking about you, me included. This is all inclusive. Why? Because God made you a what? Sexual being. You have the capacity for what? Sexual feelings. Therefore, therefore, honor God with your sexuality. Honor God with your sexuality. Honor God. God, I take my sexuality and I go, God, I'm going to use it the way you designed it. Why? Because I'm going to honor you with it. I'm going to honor you with it. That's the plan, y'all. Run and honor. Run and honor. Peter picks up and he kind of frames it the same way. Later in the Bible, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, remember who you are. This isn't your home. Don't build like this is your home. Don't build like you're going to be here forever. You're not. You're going to be with him forever. That's our home. So as those that are going to be with him forever, what is he urging you? To abstain. You know what that word abstain is? Put some distance. Put some distance. Get away from. Put distance between. Between what? Sinful desires. What are sinful desires? Anything outside of the scope of what God told you. Anything out of the best way to be human that he told you. Anything that's going to pull you away from what he said. Which wage war where? Against your soul. It's about the inside. Live such good lives among the pagans. I hate that word pagans. We'll do outsiders. 
that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify God on the day he visits. You know what that word glorify is? That they would look at you, right? Because you got your plan in place. And your plan, by the way, is that I'm going to flee when it's wrong and I'm going to stay in honor when it's right. Okay? So flee when it's wrong, stay in honor when it's right. And in that space, when they see you, and they may laugh at you. By the way, on the walls of Jericho, as they're walking around blowing their horns, what do you think they were doing on the inside? Hurling insults over the wall. They were laughing at the Israelites. They don't know how to fight. They don't know what to do. Guess what happens when you honor God and you don't live like everybody else? They're going to look at you and they're going to what? Laugh at you and probably ridicule you. They're going to wonder if, if you got problems. They're going to they're treat you as an outcast. That's okay because you know what? At some point they will see. They will see your honor for God. And guess what? It's going to point them to look at him differently. They're going to point them to look at him like who he really is. It's going to point them to glorify him. The plan's the same. Put distance and honor God. Point distance. Put distance and honor God. Go back to Jericho. Okay? We got our plan, right? The plan is, man, we're going to walk around these walls and God is going to bring the walls down. We got our plan with our sexuality, right? God's told us the best way to be human, the best way to express ourselves sexually is in this context, right? We have the plan. We have the promise in front of us. He's told us that's where life is in that area. We are going to pursue that. But here's the thing. He gave us a plan to get there. He told us to flee and he told us to what? Honor. Told us to flee and he told us to honor. That sounds an awful lot like as the Israelites on day one begin to walk around the city and they go home. And their wives meet him or husbands meet him or whoever meets him. And they go, what did you do today? I walked around the city. Took me about 30 minutes. Okay. What are you going to do the other 23 and a half hours? I don't know. But we're taking the city. And the next day they get up and they walk around the city. Day two, come home. What did you do today? Walked around the city. Listen to trumpets. Sick of trumpets. Definitely not having them in the worship team. Just kidding. Totally kidding. Day three. What you doing? Just walking around the city. Hey, church, what are you doing? I don't know. Just, just walking. I'm honoring God. God told me to honor him. I'm just honoring God. You see any progress? Nope. The wall's not getting any smaller. By the way, when they walked around the walls, here's what's amazing. They saw no visible, no visible proof that the wall was coming down. It didn't start cracking. It didn't start coming down a seventh at a time. It didn't do any of that. You know what it did? It stood as strong and looked like it always had, but they had to have the faith to walk around the wall. Church, your sexuality, well, you go, man, I'm trying to honor God and I'm before him because he's told me this is the best way to, to be human and you're honoring him and it doesn't look like anything's changing and the battle's still as real today as it was yesterday. I got good news for you. Keep walking. Keep walking. Get back up and keep walking. If you're here today and you're going, man, I don't know, John. I failed so many times. I failed this morning. Well, guess what? The beauty of walking, if they would have tripped as they walked, where do they get back up? Right where they were. 
You get back up and you walk before God and you honor God. You get back up. You keep walking. Why? Because you don't know if it's day six or day seven. You don't know if it's lap three or lap four. All you know is I just got to keep walking. Why? Because God has told me this is, he has the victory. It's already in front of him. It's there. He's told you that. All you got to do is get up and keep walking and claim the victory that's in front of you. Church, get up with your sexuality. Get up. Honor God. Honor God and keep walking no matter what's around you. They're laughing. That's okay. I'm going to honor God. They keep hurling insults. It doesn't matter. I'm going to honor God. They call me all kinds of names. It doesn't matter. I'm going to honor God. You know why? Because I can hear the trumpets. And my God tells me he's with me. He's with me. He's with me. And he has already claimed the victory. I got one last verse for you. Uh, Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. By what? Come on, church, by what? That's kind of good. But you know what they did when day seven, remember what they were supposed to do on day seven? When they got around that wall, they would give the loud cry. And when they gave a loud cry, by the way, the walls fell in such a way that it became a ramp for them to walk up in. God gave them a ramp to overcome. So it was by what? Praise God, I'm not the only one yelling. It was by faith. By faith. The walls of Jericho fell. Do you know that in Scripture, this is one of the contentious passages for people outside of the faith because they go, I've never seen a wall fall like that. Well, you ain't never met my God. And you may be in a battle with your sexuality, and you're going, by the way, can we be really clear on sexuality for a second? I'm not talking about a specific group. Because here's what I know about life. If you are older and you've been married for a really long time and something happens to your partner and you can no longer engage in sexual whatever, right? Expression. There we go. I got news for you. Your job is still the same as it was when you could. Your job is to honor God. You see, if I'm not married and I'm outside over here, guess what your role is according to God? Honor me with your sexuality. Those capacities for sexual feeling, honor me with them. If you're in a battle and you're going, man, I'm not sure about this whole thing and how I'm wired and how I'm made, it's okay because your role is the same as the other person. Honor God with your sexuality. If you're 13 and you're going, I don't know what to do, I was in my friend's house, honor God. God with your sexuality. If something happened to you, I am so sorry. And it's not right and it'll never be right and it's put you down a trail that you don't know how to get out of. The best step I got for you is honor God today and he has the victory ahead. But church, at some point we got to take him at his word. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell and by faith, the church can stand in the light and we can honor God and say we understand we can be a beacon of hope for a world where one in four one in four and 10,000 a day are contracting diseases we can be a beacon of hope church because we chose to walk around the walls and stand and honor our God the way he said is the best way to be human it's that simple flee flee Run away, put some distance, honor God. How do we do that? By faith. By faith. By faith. 
by faith. Sexuality is really about faith. It's crazy, huh? Sexuality is really about faith. Will God really give me the victory if I keep going and I keep walking? So God, we come before you, the maker of heaven and earth, the God who sits alone on a throne, the God who created the inmost being of each and every one of us, the God who wired us all so differently, and yet the God who packed each and every one of us full of this thing called sexuality. God, you have declared a promise over us that our sexuality can breathe life and hope. You have given us a plan, God. Would you give us the faith? Would you sear in our hearts the faith to stand? God, for those that are here and they feel beat down and they feel hopeless, would you allow them in these moments to surrender and get back up and keep walking? God, would you give them the courage to say, by faith, I'm going to do another lap. Would you help those that have been walking and they're honoring you and they're keeping going and they're tired? Would you, would you get their eyes up? Could they hear the trumpets? Would you let them know that you have given the battle? The walls will fall. Because you are God and we trust you. So God, thank you for a cross that bought life. Thank you for a cross that made all things new. Thank you for a cross that is a rescue in Jesus and a brand new life. Help us just rest in you today that you have a promise and a plan and the victory is yours. We love you and everybody said, amen. Amen.